Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I wonder if you have ever had expectations for something only to get to that experience and experience the thing and then to find that your expectations were wildly misplaced. Anyone? One of my first memories of this kind of disappointment was my first experience of snow. So I was 12 years old, I was on a Sydney and Canberra trip with my class and for the whole week for all of us the most anticipated day of the trip was snow day. And I remember it well, our teachers told us to wear plastic bags inside and outside our shoes to protect us from the wet and and to layer our clothing with lots of wet weather gear, which of course my friends and I decided we weren't gonna do because we didn't wanna look lame. And they told us to make sure that we tied all our hair back and away and put on a beanie for good warmth, which we decided we didn't wanna do because we wanted pretty free flowing hair in all of the photos that we were gonna take of each other. And most of us had never seen snow, so we all had this mental image of like the Swiss Alps with beautifully formed snowflakes falling from the heavens and thick layers of snow that we were going to ski in. But reality was, it was Perisher, New South Wales in September. And so it was a lot of dirt, a lot of ice, a little bit of soft snow on the ground, no snowflakes drifting from the sky, nothing to ski on. It wasn't magical as much as it was very, very wet. And so because we had dressed inappropriately, we all just got soaked through really quickly and we had freezing heads and freezing hair and messy hair that looked terrible in all the photos that we took that we promptly had to delete. And so the experience didn't turn out to be all it was cracked up to be. And now if we can be honest tonight, I think that each of us will admit that there are parts of our lives that are very much the same. Wherever we get our expectations from, you know, maybe movies or Instagram or people that we watch from afar or even just our own imaginations, sometimes reality is just not all it's cracked up to be. And regardless of where we are coming at God from tonight, I know it's different for all of us, wherever we might sit with Jesus, I think one thing that most of us kind of expect when we walk into a church service is that we'll hear something to the effect of, well, Jesus is the answer for that. When life's not all that it's cracked up to be, he is the answer, right? He is enough for you. He is all that you need. He is your savior. He is your Lord if you choose him. Now, whether or not we believe that is an entirely different conversation, but most of us expect that that is what the person on stage is going to say. God is enough for you and for me. And now I believe that that is the absolute truth with every fiber of my being, But what I want to talk about tonight is the reality of when it feels like and seems like God is not enough. And I don't think um, that I need to tell you about how we live in a bit of a culture of not enough, right? Nothing is really ever enough for us. We have this unquenchable thirst for more of everything, more food, more drink, more clothes, more devices, more properties, more connection, more wealth, more pleasure, more experiences, In fact, can you remember the last time that you went to add something to your life and then thought twice about it and said, actually, no thank you, I have enough, (laughs) right? And we know that we're privileged. In the Western world, we have more freedom, more downtime, more study and career options, more forms of entertainment than anyone else in all of human history. And yet, 
This hasn't led to increased happiness and greater fulfilment. We all know about how a diagnosed and medicated mental illness is on the rise. Many of us navigate some form of anxiousness on a daily basis. And often it's the people who have the most wealth and the most freedom in the world that are the most depressed and the most anxious. This is the culture that you and I find ourselves in. The pursuit of happiness, it's elusive. And perhaps we hear that the answer is Jesus, but sometimes it doesn't quite all add up in our day-to-day experience. And so we are going to go to the scripture this evening, and we are going to read a letter from the Apostle Paul. He is our father in the faith, perhaps the best example we have of how to follow Jesus. And he was writing to the church that was in Philippi. So Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. And he said this, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked an opportunity to act. Not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah, come on. The word of God. He is speaking of a life of contentment no matter what, even when life falls short of what it's cracked up to be. This was the Apostle Paul's lived experience. It's a big call. And this is also the invitation of Jesus to you and to me that can only be found in a life with him. So a little bit of background quickly. Paul's actually in prison as he writes this letter. He's being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And that church had sent him some money, a financial gift. And so he writes to say to them, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate your gift. It has blessed me. But as your leader, as your father in the faith, I just need you to understand, I didn't actually need it. Because I have learned in the very best of times when I have everything that I need and more, and in the very worst of times when I am severely lacking, and at all the times in between, to be content because of Jesus. So my circumstances actually no longer affect my joy. It's huge. And Paul's not bragging here and kind of exaggerating. He really did experience the highest highs and the lowest lows of his cultural context in his life. He was born into great wealth and prestige. He had a great education. He was very respected. After following Jesus, he was persecuted, shamed, beaten, imprisoned, and and he has figured out how to be content regardless of what his life looks like. Now, you are very welcome to disagree with me this evening, but based on my observations of myself and everyone around me, we typically don't live like this. In fact, the Western postmodern way, it's really constructed around controlling and manipulating our lives so that we can get them to look exactly as we want them to so that we can be content. Right? Our, pr- our approach to contentment is rarely as something that can be achieved regardless of circumstance and often as something that can only be achieved when our circumstances are just right. And until they're just right, we strive and we strive to make them so. But the reality of living like this is that it offers this lifelong, relentless, endless pursuit that can never actually deliver on the promise of contentment because as long as we want more and more and more, more is never going to be enough. 
Timothy Keller articulates it like this. We may believe in God, but our deepest hopes and happiness reside in things such as how successful we are or in our social relationships. We know God is there, but we tend to see him as a means through which we get things to make us happy. For most of us, he has not become our happiness. But for Paul... God was his happiness and Christ was his contentment. And this is the invitation of Jesus to you and to me. If you don't know God, if you have not walked with Jesus yet, can I encourage you? A life of content, regardless of circumstance, is available to you in him. And if you do know God, can I ask you, how are you sitting with this? How content are you? Because you have everything that you need to be completely content exactly as you are with what you have right now. So are you accessing the fullness of what God has for you? I was uh, chatting with someone this week about this message as I was prepping it. And they said to me very kindly, you know, Div, I don't really think that anyone wants to hear about contentment because it's not very fun. (laughs) And once I had checked my heart and forgiven them, I came to the conclusion... (laughs) that, do you know what, they are probably right, because I would much rather hear about the ways in which Jesus comes into our lives and changes our circumstances, right, the undeniable, the miraculous, in in a jaw-dropping way, and we just get to be like, wow, and enjoy it. I love it when he does that, And, and he does that, especially when you are planted at Global Heart Church and it's miracle territory season, right, he does that, but As well, when we talk about contentment, we're talking about Jesus coming into our lives and changing who we are, regardless of the circumstances, and often it's in an invisible and a quiet and an uncelebrated way. So less fun, yes, I I think that's right. But might I put to you tonight that it is actually so much more valuable to be a transforming person of contentment in really difficult circumstances than a stagnant person in great circumstances. Simply because because circumstances change, right? A marketing company uh, surveyed people worldwide regarding their happiness last year, and they were asked where are they most likely to derive their greatest happiness from. And I looked at what the Australians said, and of those in our country, the most common answer was their relationship with their partner or their spouse, followed by their health or their physical well-being, followed by their children, followed by their living conditions. All wonderful things, great, rewarding, important things that bring us a lot of happiness, but they're not unchangeable things. None of them. They can change and they do change and sometimes overnight. True contentment can only be found in the one thing that has not, does not and will not ever change. (laughs) Hebrews 13.8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He does not change, he will not leave and his word will always be true. There's this beautiful old hymn that says, take the world, but give me Jesus. What does it mean? It's the lived experience of Paul. I can face life without any of the things that I hold dear, without the things that make me who I am or that bring me joy and bring meaning to my world if I have Jesus. But don't take him from me because without him, I can't face life. And the beauty of it is, is that Paul and you and I, we never have to. We never have to face a reality in which God is not with us if we choose him. Anything can happen, anything can change, and it might do, but give me Jesus and I'm good. I want that kind of contentment in my life. 
Church, this is the truth of the gospel. God created a beautiful world. He created humanity in it, to live in it, to rule over it, to be in relationship with him. But we proceeded to choose our own ways over his, our desires over his ways. And everything was broken and corrupted, including you and me and anyone who will be born into this earth. But in his great love for us, God constructed a plan to restore us to himself. Jesus, God himself, in the human form, he came down to the earth. He lived the perfect life that we never could. He died the death that we deserve on the cross. He was buried with all of our sin and our shame and three days later resurrected to life, defeating sin and death, bringing about the rule of the kingdom of God on the earth. And because of that, we can now put all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our confidence in him to save us, heal us, set us free and lead us into a life of truth fulfillment. That is the message that we preach and that is the only reason that true contentment regardless of circumstance is on the on the table for you and for me because Jesus paid the price for it. And I don't know about you but I want that. If I have the option, I would rather not walk around every day with the low hum of anxiety like buzzing in the back of my head or in my stomach. I would rather not be clutching on to the things that I own or the statuses that I have or the relationships less, um, in case I lose them and then become less than. I don't want to be consumed with what I don't have, with who I'm not seen to be, with what I'm not experiencing that I could be. I don't want to never experience daily joy. I want to be content. So if it's available to us, what does contentment in Jesus Christ actually look like? I have gone and studied, to be sure. And a a good way to put it is that contentment in Christ is an inner, peaceful frame of heart. So imagine, if you will, the hardest part of your typical Tuesday. Maybe it is a class at school, a meeting at work, a recurring task, an interaction with a certain person. Maybe it's parenting from where I'm sitting that looks very difficult. Contentment in Christ means that you are free to approach that hard thing with a peaceful frame of heart. Or what about the things in your life that make you the most anxious? The pressure to perform in your job or the friendship situation that's going poorly. Maybe the lack of clarity about your future, the wayward child or the exam season that's just like chipping away at your soul. Contentment in Christ means approaching that thing and all that comes with it, not frantically, not panicked, but with a peaceful frame of heart. It's the exact same for the good things, the prosperity things. When you get the things you've been praying for and hoping for, the new job, the better job, the relationship, maybe the leadership position, or what if you woke up tomorrow with increased influence in the form of 30,000 Instagram followers and lots of influencing deals? Things that we want that then come with the pressure and the weight and the desire to not mess them up, right, and to not lose them. Contentment in Christ means approaching these things not with insecurity, not with anxiety, not with a death grip, but generously in a way that will bless others and bring glory to God because your security is not in having them. You have an inner peaceful frame of heart. A peaceful frame of heart doesn't change in the difficult parts of our lives, nor in the wonderful parts of our lives, nor in all of the mundane parts of our lives in between, because the contentment that is available to us in Jesus has nothing to do with what's going around, going on around us, and everything to do with who he is to us and what he is doing within us. (laughs) 
so we're going to have a look at three points about contentment that we get from this scripture, and then we'll have a think about how we're cultivating it in our own lives. Number one, contentment is honest. Contentment is not pretending that we are fine and that everything is okay when it's not. It doesn't turn a blind eye to the reality of life or the things that are going on in our hearts and our minds. The older I get, the more I seem to be learning just how much loss is a part of life for all of us. And contentment is not to look at the situation of grief in your life or the relational breakdown or the thing that you're struggling with and just say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, Paul doesn't say, I don't care that I'm in prison. I'm cool, I'm unaffected. He says, no, I know how to have inner, an inner peaceful frame of heart even when I'm somewhere that I really don't want to be. And so when things are not good and we are not okay and we just say, praise Jesus, God is good, we're actually massively underselling him. Because of, co of course he is good, but his goodness goes far deeper than just being this intangible idea that we have to remember in the hard times without actually being able to experience it. Our God is not a God who leaves us to navigate a broken world alone at all. And if we use God is good as a defense mechanism to not get real about what is actually going on, we are blocking his very goodness from our lives. Because the goodness of our God deals with the reality of life. It deals with where we actually are, not where we're pretending to be. <laughs> Alicia Bricciole says, Jesus is not aloofly watching you. He is always with you. He doesn't offer you hypothetical armchair advice. He offers you himself. I love that. Contentment in Jesus Christ doesn't mean being unaffected by anything or pretending to be okay when we're not. It means that our peaceful frame of heart can be found in the fact that our Lord is a God who sits beside us in our pain. Psalm 56 says he puts our tears in his bottle. So contentment in Christ is honest. It can say with eyes wide open, feet on the ground, fully aware of reality, I do not like this about my life. I wish it was different. Or I'm not okay with the fact that this is happening in the world. Or I'm going to pray and work and do everything I can to bring about change in this situation. But I'm upset and I'm grieved. And at the same time, it can say I am completely content in Jesus Christ because I have access to God and his loving attention is on me. So my joy is not changed by the circumstances of my life or the world. And I don't need everything to be okay out there to be okay on the inside because I have Jesus. Contentment is honest. Number two, contentment is hopeful. Some of you might have gotten stressed in the last point. This will make you feel better. You know, when we talk about being good with much and then also being good with nothing, it can be easy, at least for me, to go down the rabbit hole of, of fatalism. Like, whatever will be, will be. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Maybe we'll just survive through this life and then make it to heaven, right? But if we start to live like that, we will begin lowering our expectations, shrinking our hopes and editing our dreams to protect ourselves against the world. And that is not contentment. That is self-preservation. Yes, when life is hard and when we are grieving, God is with us. We find contentment in that. But simultaneously, a defining characteristic of what it means to be a Christian is that we live with a hopeful expectation in the character of our God. A hopeful expectation in who he is, what he's doing on the earth, and what he's doing in our lives. In Luke 12, Jesus talks about expecting God to take care of us. 
In verse 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Now, my, it is very good. Um, but my whole life, I have read that and heard that and instantly felt a little bit guilty because I find it quite hard. I am not very good at just trusting that because God takes care of the lilies that he will take care of me, particularly when I look around and see a lot of things that might be coming up short. But we ought to consider the fact that God cares for the flowers and the grass by implementing seasons on the earth, right? If every single day was sunny and there was never any clouds and there was never any rain, all of the flowers would die out very quickly. And God has implemented rhythms and seasons of life that we might learn not to hold on to the things of this world with a death grip, but to relax and to trust and be hopeful because the all-powerful God of the universe who is in control cares for us. And as we seek him first and his kingdom, then our attention will be on the right things and he will provide everything that we need. Pastor George spoke a great message last week about how we know the ending of the story that we're living in, right? We know that God wins. He conquers all. We have great hope in that. And we also have great hope in him who is our ever-present help in need, who in any given moment is actually as close as the air up against our skin and who always has good in store for you and for me. So contentment is hopeful. I am content regardless of my circumstances because of my trust in the character of my God. And number three, contentment is learned. In our scripture, Paul says, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. An inner peaceful frame of heart, no matter what's going on, is not really natural to mankind. And we established earlier that the world's suggestion is to go and get and add as much as we possibly can to the point where we finally have enough and and are enough to be content. But Paul suggests that we can learn to be content right where we are with exactly what we have in this moment because of radical dependence on God. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can be content in anything, not because he's learned how to be one with the universe or has trained himself not to want anything or not to care. Instead, his life is tethered to God Almighty. His strength comes from a source outside of himself. So the world says, don't have any unfulfilled desires. Go out, get what you want, fulfill all of them. And other forms of spirituality will say, well, don't have any desires at all. Be better than that. Rise above that. But our Bible says, learn how to depend on God, to tether your life to him. And then as you live with unfulfilled desires, because we all will, you can be deeply, deeply happy. His strength is enough for you. And learning to get our strength from God, it means learning how to seek not just the peace of God, but the God of peace himself. And learning to seek not just the gifts of God, but God, the giver of good gifts himself. Contentment is learned. The band is welcome to join me if they would like to. So contentment in Christ is an inner peaceful frame of heart, no matter what and in every circumstance. We can only access it because of Jesus Christ. It involves being honest, being hopeful, 
and it has to be learned. So tonight, would you consider with me, think about your own life. Where do you sit with cultivating contentment in your own life? If we were to picture a scale, I think most of us would fall at one of three stages. Some of us are yet to know Jesus at all. We've not walked with him. And can I encourage you, contentment, regardless of circumstance, is only available in him. And that's actually not even the tip of the iceberg of what is available to us in Jesus. And in a couple of moments, you'll have an opportunity to respond to him if you don't know him or if you've come away from him. But can I encourage you, the culture that we live in, it's full of empty promises. It is a relentless pursuit that can never deliver true contentment. Only Christ can do that. Many of us are at a different point along the scale. We have decided to follow Jesus. We are Christians. But if we're honest, we're not content with our lives or who we are in the current circumstances that we're sitting in. So if that is you tonight, would you consider, are you radically dependent on God? Have you tethered your life to Him? Are you honest with Him because you know that you can be? Are you hoping in Him because of who He is? These are the things that will teach us to be truly content. And others of us are at yet a third point on the scale. We trust God. We depend on Him for life. We're in this. We can honestly say, God, you're all that I want. But then when we walk away from those conversations with Him or those worship moments, we are faced with choices every moment of every day as to what we are going to give our attention to and whether or not that's going to prove what we say to be true. Do we live like God is all that we want? What are we doing on a daily basis to get more of God into us and more, and more of everything else out? Where are we placing our attention? Is it in places where God can become our strength? Or is it anywhere and everywhere else? TikTok, Netflix, Facebook Marketplace, the stuff that we buy, the brands that we wear, the trajectory our career is on, the trips that we plan, the relationships we get our identity from, or the experiences we document on Instagram, right? If we say that God is all we want, are we living like that is true? So why don't you consider where you sit with this tonight? Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.